0: Welcome to the p Vine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Well, thank you to our worship team, our tech team, man—they've all been here since six six thirty this morning, leading us in worship, and fantastic job doing that. So, hey, I'm not going to have you turn to your Bibles. I normally do that. I'm going to put Bible verses on the screen today. So let me explain what I'm doing. I'm starting a new series today called "The Ultimate Guide to the Christian Life: How to Elevate Your Walk with God." And so, over the next few weeks, I'm going I'm to park it here for just a little bit. We're going to talk about elevating your walk with God. Now, let me explain to you what we're doing during the sermon series is. There, there is a mystique to the Christian life that we all like, right? Like there is this mystique to the Christian life that is hard to put in words, sometimes it's hard to explain, where we feel the Holy Spirit of God in, our, in His presence in our lives, where, where the Word of God is speaking to our heart. Like you can read one Bible verse, I can read the same verse, and yet that, that Bible verse say different things to both of them, and both of us, be true for both of us, just a personalization of the Christian life that when we can feel God's presence, when we can feel God guiding us, when we can feel God directing us, that is the beauty of the Christian life and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That is the mystique of the Christian life. And so here's what we all want. We all want to get saved and go straight to that. And I wish we could go straight to that. But the problem is that if the Christian life is anything, it is a discipline. And the Christian life starts not with the mystique of the Christian life, but it starts with the discipline of the Christian life. Not that you're earning your salvation, you're already saved, but that you're, you're, you're getting the disciplines down. I'm going to say it this way over the next few weeks. You're, you're getting the how-tos of the Christian life down because it's the how-tos and it's the discipline of the Christian life that lead us into the mystique of the Christian life. As our Christian life elevates, we get to those places where we Feel the presence of God in our lives. We feel the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we, we sense that God is with us every step of the way. But there's some how-tos that have to take place before you get there. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to deal with those how-tos. Very practical Christian life preaching. Rubber meets the road. I would encourage you to take notes and maybe keep all these notes in the same place and look over them from time to time as well. So here's what I want to preach on today. I want to preach on this subject, how to take two steps forward without going one step back. Two steps forward without going one step back. Now, I I did this last week. I'm not going to do it again this week about how crazy 2020 has been, right? I was just going to make that statement and go on until I saw on the news this week that for the first time in the history of the world, apparently, two hurricanes have the possibility of both at the same time going through. Have y'all seen that? The two hurricanes going through the Gulf Coast at the same time? Only in 2020, right? Like apparently that's never happened in the history of weather. That's going to happen. And in 2020, two hurricanes are going to perhaps go through at the same time. But but 2020 has been odd in a lot of other ways. As a matter of fact, our Google searches have reflected the reality of 2020. Not long ago, Google released the uh, top 12 searches uh, during the coronavirus period. And, and you're going to recognize these right off the bat. Here they are. Number one. Number one most searched thing on Google during the coronavirus has been uh, how to use, use new software like Zoom. How many of you have had to do online meetings, school, or something? Let me see your hand. You've been doing online? Yeah. Yeah, I did Zoom before Zoom was cool. I was doing this years ago, and I'm glad to see y'all catching up with me finally, and, uh, but yeah, you got to figure that out. Number two, how to get stains out of clothing. I don't know. Maybe you're dirtier at home, working from home. I don't, I don't know. Number, number three, tips and tricks for video games. You say, well, how's that coronavirus related? Well, for all of you who are working from home and doing school from home, well, somebody check and see if the PlayStation's warms. All I want to know. And uh, number four, ladies, I pray to God it's the ladies who are looking up makeup tutorials. Please, Lord, let it be so. How to make a face mask, appropriate for these times. How to, uh, how to uh, bake cookies, is the next one how to bake cookies like doing that at home and, and back to uh again my screen how to get past a specific part of a video game so and again we're back to kind of this video game girl thing and I hope it's girls how to curl your hair please again girls If if you're a guy doing that just don't tell me okay and 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 number, how to poach an egg. How many of you know how to poach an egg? Let me see your hand. I find it interesting. Not, today, not very many people have known how to poach an egg. I, I've never done it. I know how you're supposed to do it. But uh, apparently, people like post eggs during this. How to fit, I don't know why. Our clothes are getting really dirty during coronavirus. I, I don't know why. I'm going to make a suggestion you change your underwear more often than you've been changing your underwear. How, how's that? Because we're concerned with stains and washing machines. Now, the last two, this is number 11 and 12, are near and dear to my heart. Uh, number 11, 12. How many of you put on the coronavirus 15 when this first started? Like you, your weight went up a little bit. I, I went up a little bit. But number 11 was how to lose weight, and I love this, fast. Like I don't want to change the way I live. I just want to drop pounds tomorrow is what I want to do. Now, I'm, not, I'm no help with you on this one at all. But if you want to know how to gain weight fast, I am very helpful with that. Make an appointment with me at, um, and I can show you how, preferably, preferably at a buffet. All right, number 12, here it is. Number twelve during coronavirus, how to cut a man's hair. That one would have been very helpful to me several months ago. Who knew you could Google such things? Noticeably absent from the list is anything to do with God. Once again, we had this awesome opportunity to revamp our walk with God, to revamp our Christian life, and nothing to do with God. And while we should be looking for ways to connect with the Almighty, it seems to be that we are spending our lives doing so much that doesn't matter. And what we do do with God is never consistent in our lives. Like, like even when we play around with our walk with God, there's not a consistency there. In reality, when it comes to our life, our Christian life, our walk with God, it seems that we're literally doing what I said, two steps forward and one step back, or two steps forward and two steps back, or one step forward and three steps back, or no steps forward and more steps back. It's a maddening process for us. Right when we think we've got to handle all it, there seems to be something that comes along and messes everything up. Right when we think we have our Christian life figured out, there's this old temptation that will pop up in our life and derail us or an old sin that will pop up in our life and derail us or a a new disappointment would show up in our lives or a bad habit will resurface or a fractured relationship will get worse or an old hurt, an old wound will be rubbed uh, sore and we take all these steps forward And then all of a sudden, we're we're right back. So the question this morning is, how do we take two steps forward and two steps forward and two steps forward and two steps forward and and hold on to our ground and not give any back and level up? Our walk with God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you four things. And we're going to look in various parts of the Bible today. I'm not going to look at just one verse. And that's, that's why I said take notes and, and I'll, I'll give you the verses on the screen. Uh, because I want to tell you what, what the Bible would bear out. What I've seen as a pastor over 25 years as God's worked in my life and other people's lives as well. These things are indispensable for leveling up your Christian life and going forward. Number one, here's what I want to tell you. How to take two steps forward. Number one, you can't be hit or miss in the Christian life. You can't be hit or miss in the Christian life. Now here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. In this regard, it is required that managers or stewards be found faithful. Managers or stewards be found faithful. Now the foremost requirement of your walk with God is that, is, is that word faithfulness. Faithful. That means dependable and trustworthy. Here's what you're going to know about the Christian life. There's nowhere in the Christian life, get this, where God values talent in the Christian life. That the greatest Christians in our Bible that we revere and that we look up to had no special characteristics at all about their life. As a matter of fact, the opposite would be true. As a matter of fact, the Bible, when we looked at the early apostles, they were nothing special about them. we looked at the early Christians, there was nothing special about them. Paul even acknowledged it in in, in the book of Corinthians. Here's what he said to the letter at Corinth. He'd say, hey, you're going to notice when you look around in church, God doesn't call very many smart people. It's okay, look around. Do you see very many smart people around you? Don't answer that, don't answer that. Paul said God didn't call many wise, many noble, many like famous people. God uses everyday people. But the one characteristic, That is indisputable. When we see how God used Christians of old, when we see how God used the apostles, when we see how God used the early church, the number one characteristic was this. It was a life of faithfulness. It was a life committed to the cause of Christ. It was a life that was faithful to their walk with God, get this, even to the point of death. You say... Well, preacher, I, I'll be faithful when I get some things straightened out in my life. Can I be honest with you? You won't. You won't. Here's what, here's what Jesus said in Luke 16. Whoever's faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Whoever's unrighteous, or can we say unfaithful in very little, is also unrighteous or unfaithful in much. Here's what Jesus said. If you're not going to be faithful with what you have now, you're not going to be faithful with what you get later on because here's what people think. People always think this, preacher, when I win the lottery, I will tithe. Now let me say this, amen, you should, but can I tell you something? You won't. You won't. If you're not going to tithe and trust God with the little you have, here's what Jesus said. You won't tithe and trust God. You know what's going to happen? Let me, I, I promise you, I've seen it so many times. You know what happens? Preacher, I don't make enough to tithe. My tithe wouldn't even matter. I get it. But then you win the lottery. You know what you say? Woo, preacher, that tithe, that'd be a big check. I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not preaching on money this morning. That nothing to do with money. Here's what we say. Well, you know what? When I free up some time... I'm going to serve God. As soon as I get my life straightened up, get some things in order, to, you won't. You won't. If you think people who serve God have all their ducks in a row, you are sadly mistaken. You know what we do? We serve God in the madness and the chaos of our lives as well. Because you know what I know? I used, to li- I used to be this way. How many of you in the room at Rossville at home, how many of you are young, parents of young kids? I'll let you identify. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Are you parents of young kids? you have no time whatsoever, right? Like, I get it. First grandson, I get I know how he is. He just learned to walk. He's. I, I get it. Can I tell you something? Here's what you're thinking. Whew, when I can get him off the bottle or the diapers or get him doing this, then I'll have more time. You're not. You're not. You're not. Because about six or seven, he'll start playing ball, and they'll start playing ball, and she'll start doing dance or whatever it is. And you know what? Then you know what you say? I feel pray this. You know what you say? You say, you know what? Well, when we get them out of grammar school, will be so much easier. We get them to middle school. Nope. You know what? They got more things to do in middle school. And then you say this. Well, when they get a driver's license, then I'll have more time. Nope. Nope. You don't have any more time when they get a driver's license. Can I tell you? you you'll have in the future exactly as much time as you have now. Now, if your grandparent in the room, I want to ask you to raise your hand. So many of this room is full of grandparents. You know what they said? When I retire, I'll have all have all. All the time in the world. How many of you grandparents said that? You thought that when you retired, didn't you? You thought it. How many of you want to go back to work? Let me see your hand. You'd be thrilled to go back to work. Thrilled. Dear Lord, give me a day job. I'm tired of this. You know why? It's it's a lie we all buy into if we're not careful of that. Well, I'll get more time. I'll serve God. No, no, no. If you don't serve him in the chaos of the now, you won't serve him in the chaos of the future. That is faithfulness. And here's the principle of the Christian life. You cannot be hit or miss with your walk with God and get anywhere. Far too many Christians take steps backwards because they're not faithful, they're not dependable, they're not trustworthy. Here's the deal. You're hot one minute and cold the next. You're on one minute, you're off the next. You're on fire one minute, you're freezing the next. You're in one minute, you're out the next. You're in your place serving one minute, you're taking time off the next. You're up, then you're down. You give one offering, you don't give the next. You're hit or in your Christian life and you spend, too, you spend too much of your Christian life taking steps forward but just as many steps back because the number one characteristic of an elevated Christian life is faithfulness. There's no getting around it. You cannot serve God. You cannot walk with God in that mystique-filled way unless you're faithful to Christ. Before I was... preacher i I didn't want to be a preacher god called me to do that kind of kicking the screaming in in my late 20s as far as pastoring but when i was in my early 20s kind of in the business world and and when i was in my early 20s i was a plant manager over about 30 people. We had a manufacturing process and I was a plant manager. I was going to college part time and, and then still w- working during the day. And so I was a plant manager. And we, we had some things that we did that were kind of like an artist. It'd be hard to explain uh, now if you weren't in the business, carpet business, but it was kind of like an artist. And, uh, and uh, so I had this one particular uh, girl back then who was really, really good. I mean, she's fantastic. But I had about 30 employees that worked for me and she was really, I mean, she was phenomenally talented with it. And, uh, but she had this one annoying characteristic, sweet. She could be nice girl. She was always, always late. And when I say always late for work, like, I don't mean she came in one minute, five minutes late. We'd consider that on time. I mean, every single day, she was 30 minutes late and she was 45 minutes late. And she was an hour late every single day. And, you know, I let it go on because she was so good at her job, but it began to affect the other employees, and I began to get pushback from it. So I met her one day, and I said, hey, you cannot be late anymore. Like This is not an option. You're making me look bad. You're looking bad. Like, like I'm gonna, You're going to lose your job. I need you to be on time. She's like, I got it. I understand. It's all my fault. I'll, I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be on time tomorrow. And so I was so excited. I said, hey, listen, if you're not on time, I start writing you up, like physically putting it in your permanent file. You know, I got it from your grammar school now. I have your permanent file. I'm going to put it in your permanent file. And. And, and um, she said, I won't, I won't be late. And the next morning, she was 30 minutes late. So I, I, I gave her a written morning, and I said, hey, I hate to do this, but yeah, I told you. She said, I get it. I get it. I was late. And she said, I won't be late tomorrow, though. I said, perfect. Let's just end this and be done with it. And the next day, she was 45 minutes late. So I went to her, and I, I wrote her up a second time, and I'm like, hey, I don't, like, you're, you're forcing my hand here. I got, I got. Three times, I have—I literally have to let you go. I'm required by human resources to let you go after time. I cannot have you late again. It's done. I won't be late again. We'll get those off. It'll last. And the next morning, 8, we're supposed to be at work at 8, 8, 8, 15, 8, 30, 8, 45, 9, 9, 15, She's not there. And I finally called her before cell phone days. And I'm like, hey, and I was like, hey, we're, like, please tell me you've been in a car accident. Like, right, please, please tell me you're on the way to the hospital. I want you to be okay, but like, please tell me. And she said, oh, I, I'm, I'm about to come in. I'm like, you know, it's, it's 9.15 now. And, and she's like, I, I know, but I said, well, why are you not here? I need a good excuse. She said, well, here's what happened. I left my tennis shoes on the back porch last night, and it rained on them. And? and? She said, well, I'm letting them dry, and then I'll come in when they're dry. Okay, well, so... I hate to do this, but don't come in. It's the only person I've ever let go, and I've let several people go in my life, the only person I've ever let go over the telephone. I said, just don't come in. Come Friday and and get your check. I tell you that story for one reason, because some of you are thinking, "Um, I would never do that with my job. That is so crazy for somebody to do that with their job. Well, hold on. You do it with God all the time. If you want to level up your walk with God... You have to be faithful in your walk with God. You've got to quit quitting. You've got to quit stopping. You've got to quit missing. You've got to quit excusing. Too, too many Christians have the used to disease. You know what that is. I used to serve. I used to come. I used to give. I, I used to do stuff at the church. I used to attend regularly. And A lot of Christians have the sometime or disease. Well, sometimes I give. Sometimes I come. Sometimes I read my Bible. Sometimes I pray. going to tell you, if you're in with the used to disease or the sometime disease, that doesn't level up your Christian life. That's, that's two steps forward and then one step back. God wants our faithfulness. And the only way to get your Christian life to the next level is to be faithful to God because you cannot be hit or miss in your Christian life. Let me show you the second thing we learn about leveling up. Number two, you have to do what he says. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now now listen to me. Listen to me. We have this tendency as Christians to create our own brand of personalized Christianity. Here's what I mean. They create the Jesus they want to have that will accommodate what we want to do. Like you've met that person before, right? We create the Jesus we want to have that will accommodate whatever I want to do. It's a Jesus with arbitrary codes of conduct, a Jesus who exists for the sole purpose of making us happy. It's a a fictional Jesus, by the way, that resembles one that you would create in a psychology class more than you would find in the word of God. And what happens is that we wind up talking about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus the Bible describes. It's not the Jesus in his word. It's the one we've made up in our lives that accommodates everything we do. And the reason we can't get ahead in the Christian life, get this, is we aren't obedient to the Bible Jesus. We tend to make up a fictional one and obey that one. But here's the problem with our fictional Jesus, even as Christians. That one changes based on our mood and situation. We bend that Jesus to meet the needs of our lives or the perceived need of our lives. If you want to go forward in the Christian life, get this, it is essential that you quit making Jesus conform to your life, but you start conforming your life to him. This doesn't bend to me, I bend to this. If I were to take you up an airplane today, and I'm not going to do that, and tell you we're going to jump out with parachutes, skydive. If I were to take you up an airplane, we got 20,000 feet in the air, and this is not anything I ever want to do, so it's a safe illustration for me. And I said to you, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the parachutes off. We're going to jump out of the plane. And the laws of science are going to bend and conform to my desires in the plane. My desire is that we jump out of the plane, and we float safely to the ground like at the mall or something and people will clap for us as we float down to the ground so that's my desire that the laws of science will conform to what I want them to do would you jump out of the plane with me no you would push me out of the plane why because here's what you know the law of motion is fixed and it's not going to conform to me we have a formula for it the law of aerodynamics is fixed I have to conform to it, it's not not going to conform to me. Get this, the law of gravity, dude, it's a law. It is not the suggestion of gravity, it is the law of gravity. That if I drop out of a plane without a parachute on, I'm hitting the ground hard. Why? The laws of science don't conform to me, I have to conform to the laws of science. By the way, the Christian life is exactly the same way. It requires me to conform my obedience to the Jesus we find in the Bible, not the Jesus we make up. You say, well, I don't make up a Jesus. Hold on, hold on. If your theology starts off this way, well, I feel like God wants you have a made-up Jesus. As a matter of fact, your feelings are your God. You say, what should I say? You should say, Here's what Jesus said. You want a relationship with God that goes to the next level? Then you have to do what he says. Obey his word, obey his commands, obey his principles, and not make he, create a fictional Jesus that lets me do anything I want. One night uh, a dad was doing his uh, devotion with his five-year-old son, he was, they were talking about Moses and the commandments, and he knew his son had just talked about this in Sunday school, and so he tried to get a little, you know, uh, uh, a little conversation going with his son. He said, hey son, let me ask you, how many commandments did God give Moses? And the boy shook his head and went, whew, way too many. Feels like that sometimes, right? Can I tell you, here's what the Bible says. In First John 5, 3, here's what the Bible says. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commandments. And now notice the last phrase that gets left out. And his commands are not a burden. Whereas commands are not grievous. I know sometimes in your Christian life, you may feel like, well, wait, it's hard to obey the commands of Jesus. If that's true for you, you're doing it wrong. If I said to you, do you love your husband? Do you love your wife? And you said back to me, whew, I'm trying, but it's hard. You know, I know something about your relationship without you saying anything else, right? You do need some help in that relationship. Something's off. And if the commands of Jesus are a burden, if obedience to Christ is a burden, can I tell you, you are doing something wrong because when you're walking with Jesus, when your life is what it ought to be, we are thrilled to obey our Savior. So the third thing, how to take two steps forward, number three, you have to play defense. Here's what Ephesians 6, 11 said, put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles or the plans of the devil. Now, listen carefully. You need to hear this this morning. The reason so many Christians take two steps forward and more steps back is this. You don't realize you have an enemy, and you need to be aware. I'm just going to hit this and move on. But the Bible says that you have an enemy, and listen to me, hear me, because you need to understand this. Your enemy hates you, hates you. And the reason I have to tell you that, remind myself of that, is because sometimes he confuses us. Sometimes he makes us think he's trying to do something good for us. But the Bible says that our enemy is scheming against us. He is plotting against us. He's strategizing for our defeat. Listen, he is building traps and temptations in order to capture us. And he's seeking to destroy us by any means possible. Here's what Peter said, that he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Devour, defeat, it's all the same thing. And too many times we wander into his schemes because we fail to realize it is him. He is our enemy. He hates you. But he disguises it. And sometimes you'll walk into a temptation and you're like, wow, I can't believe this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be so great. This is going to be so, so cool. Listen to me, it's just a trap. That's nothing more than bait to get you to bite so he can set the hook, so he can ruin your life. Just when you think you're getting ahead, along comes a crippling decision, crippling setback, a crippling sin. Why? Listen, the enemy has no plans to let you get ahead. So there are plenty of offensive weapons in the Christian life, but I'm just telling you, you have to play defense. You have to be aware. You've got to live your life filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to live your life in the Word of God. You've got to walk with Christ. You've got to be aware of your weaknesses. And you know what you have to do in your weaknesses? You have to provide barriers to shore up your weaknesses and get so far away from falling. You've got to be spiritually sensitive to what the enemy is trying to do in your life because he's trying to destroy and ruin your life. You have to play defense. Number four, and I'm finished. Christianity can't be a hobby. Your walk with God can't be a hobby. My wife and I, were we're 17, a Sunday school teacher challenged us to memorize Romans 12. and, And Romans 12 is one of the best chapters in all the Bible about Christian living. But in the amplified version, here's what it says in verse 11, never lacking behind in diligence. I love this phrase, a glow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. And here's what Paul said in those three phrases, never lagging behind. It carries with it the idea of zeal or or fervency about it. He, He said a glow in the spirit means to be hot, glowing, passionate, on fire with the spirit of God. Enthusiastically serving means I'm doing whatever it takes to move forward in my Christian life. And so here are the words, zeal. Fervency, uh, passion, on fire, glowing, hot, whatever it takes. That is Romans 12, 11. Now, that does not describe a hobby Christian life. Well, what's a hobby? It's worth asking the question. A hobby is something you get around to in your spare time. The Christian life is, ne- is never meant to be a hobby. It's always meant to be taken seriously. And Jesus said it's supposed to be taken this seriously. But see, first... The kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do you know what's supposed to be the number one priority in your life and my life? My walk with God is supposed to be the number one priority in my life. In your life. Your walk with God. You know what the problem is? The reason the Christian life becomes a hobby? Because here's what we too often give Jesus. Leftover time. Leftover time. Leftover money, leftover energy, leftover resources, leftover attention. If there is any leftover, if there's nothing left over, he doesn't even get that. That's what you do to a hobby. You you do to a hobby if you have time left over. You do a hobby if you have energy left over. That's a hobby. You want to go forward in the Christian life? It'll only happen as you are diligent, enthusiastically, a glow in the Spirit of God. And there are too many of us in the Christian life who, who we, we, we say we're serious, but we're not really. We wind up playing games more than we are passionate, passionate about our walk with Christ. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. Y'all know me. If you, if you don't know me, I like to talk sports. Foot, football's around the corner, maybe, so maybe you'll get some of that, but now you're getting baseball. There's a big deal in baseball uh, this week. 69 years ago today, Eddie Goodell, on August 19, 1951, came to bat in his one and only plate appearance in Major League Baseball. He's a 26-year-old suffering from dwarfism. He stood three feet seven inches tall, and he drew a walk for the St. Louis Browns, which is now the Baltimore Orioles. Well, It is a long story. It's a fascinating story. But they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of Major League Baseball. And um, their owner, Bill Veck, his name is V-E-E-C-K. But his autobiography was called Vec, like in wreck, as in wreck. And he was a little bit of a wreck for Major League Baseball. And he always liked to do stunts. He was a big showman. And so they had a doubleheader that day. And in between the doubleheader, they actually had Eddie pop out of a papier-mâché cake. And they all thought it was cute and funny. He actually spent most of his life working in a circus. Died at age 36, I believe he was, uh, while he was working in a, in, a, in a circus. But he had him pop out that day. He had on a, a uniform, and uh, everybody thought it was cute. Until, I think it was the sixth or seventh inning, in the second game of the doubleheader, um, Eddie Goodell walk, began walking toward the batter's box with miniature, had three or four miniature bats on his shoulder. Well, the umpire ran out and said, hey, you can't do this. He's, he's not on the team. But what Bill Veck had done back in the day is he had signed into a contract Friday afternoon right before five o'clock and he had turned the contract into Major League Baseball. But here's what he knew. They went home at five o'clock on Fridays and would not look at the contract until Monday morning. He knew if they looked at it, they would void the contract. But they didn't look at it because they didn't work over the weekends. So Bill Beck, as the umpire's walking out to tell him he can't bat, Eddie, he can't bat, Bill Veck walks out with the contract and says, I have a major league contract already filed with the office. And so they let him bat. And you, you can probably guess what happened. You uh, see, doesn't even come to the top of the catcher's head, four pitch walk. They said his strike zone is about the size of an inch, you know, an inch square and a four pitch walk. And as he's going down to first base, he's kind of hamming it up, going down to first base, waving his cap. By the way, the number on back of his jersey was the number one-eighth on the back of his jersey. He got to first base and they, they pinch ran for him he went back to the dugout and the man he had batted for Frank Saucer, here's another interesting story uh, who quit baseball because he struck gold with his oil mine but, uh, I struck oil with, well gold too with his oil mine but he had pinch hit for Frank and he came back and sat down next to Frank on the bench and Frank said hey you were showing it up a little bit weren't you and he said man Eddie said man I felt like babe root out there a bunch of rules changed after this day for Major League Baseball. Um, And get this, Eddie's signature, because of its scarcity, he died at 36, is worth more than Babe Ruth's signature is worth. It's a cute story, but the trouble is, Major League Baseball didn't think it was cute. Major League Baseball got furious at Bill Beck. As a matter of fact, they refused to record Eddie's bat in the histories of baseball. Refused to record it. That year, they didn't count it at all. But years later, they came back and reinstated the at-bat. Because in a game where millions and today billions of dollars are at stake, where every bat matters, every pitch matters, every inning matters, every contract matters, Major League Baseball said, hey, there's no... There's no space in baseball for fooling around, goofing around like that. If there's no space in baseball for goofing around, what about in eternity for the Christian life? Look, I get it. I like baseball too, and I know billions of dollars are at stake, but I don't care. Eternity's at stake. There's no room for goofing around in the Christian life. So here's what that means. You can't be hit or miss. You have to be faithful. You have to do what he says, what the Bible Jesus says, and be obedient. You have to play defense and be watchful in the Christian life. And it can't be a hobby. It just can't be a hobby that you're giving your leftover time to. You've got to be passionate about your work. And when that happens, can I tell you what the beauty of that is? It's two steps forward, two steps forward, two steps forward. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're watching it online. Hang with me. Hang with me online. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Ross and in this building. Let me talk to you for a second. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, hear me, you are not here by accident. You are here on purpose. God has orchestrated your whole life to either be in this room at Rossville or watching online. Your entire life has been orchestrated for this moment if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Everything about your life has led to right now. And God is saying to you, you have to take this next moment seriously. Because if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Eternity is too long and too terrible to be wrong about it if you don't know him. And you're one heartbeat, one breath, one accident, one disease away from eternity without Christ in a place called hell. So you're watching online, you're in the room, wherever you may be, and listen. God's speaking in your heart now and saying to you, you must be saved. If you'd like to be saved today... It's not a process. It's an event that takes place. Now, the process happens, but you can be saved immediately if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And it's as simple as A, B, C. Listen, admit, A, admit that you're a sinner. You can't save yourself or earn your way to heaven. That's true for you. That's true for me. I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose again the third day. We call that the gospel. We don't debate it. We believe it. It says it in the Bible, and that's the gospel story. It's supported by all kinds of evidence, but we believe it. That's the faith. And C, we confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Admit, believe, confess. A, B, C. So you'd like to be saved today. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, at home, online. I want you to pray with me. If you like to be saved, don't you to pray with me. The prayer won't save you. But the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you know how to pray already. You, you go ahead and pray. But if you need some help praying, most people do the first time, pray. You can pray, pray out loud or pray in your heart right now. Pray something like this Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm, I'm a sinner and, and, and I can't save myself. I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again the third day so I could be saved. And just now I invite Christ into my life to save me, forgive me of my sin, and to give me a home in heaven. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Have you just prayed that prayer, something like it, and you trusted Jesus as Savior? You are born again, saved. Welcome to God's family. Now listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're watching at home or you're in the building or you're at Rossville online, or in the building or online or at Rossville, Here's what I want you to do. If you just prayed to receive Christ, everybody else, keep your heads bowed. If you just prayed to receive Christ, I want you to look up here at this television monitor. I can't see you. So I don't even know that you're looking. Even if you're in this room, all I can see is a big bright light. Uh, I can't see you. So you look up at the television monitor. If you prayed to receive Christ, here's what I want you to do. Sometime today, text I did to the number 97000 because there are seven steps that come next in the Christian life. You're not going to know what those are unless we get that booklet to you and you're going to be frustrated and we want to give it to you. So just text I did no spaces to the number 97,000 and that lets us know you made a decision and we'll send that to you uh, uh, this week. We'll get it out to you this week. Every week people text this number. I did to number 97,000. We we have people saved. With rare exception we have people every week saved either here or online. So text us this morning. I did to 97,000. Now Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to end in prayer. For a Christian, can we have a moment of reflection and just honesty with God? Again, I'm looking at a bright light. I can barely see you, but movements you make, I can't see. And You're at Rossell online, I can't see at all, obviously. But, but listen, here's, here's, my, here's what I want to ask you. How many of you would be honest enough to say in the Christian life this morning, let's just be gut-level honest with God and just say this, hey, I've taken some steps forward, I sure have, But I've taken more steps back than I want to. Would you be honest and just raise your hand and just hold up to God as a testimony to him? I've just taken more steps back than I wanted to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the building. So let me pray with you. And you take a moment while I pray. Let's connect with God together. Father, thank you that uh, we can walk with you. Thank you we can feel your presence. We can feel your guidance. We can feel your spirit. We know that God is with us at times, but Lord, we also have felt the joy of two steps forward and we felt the agony of one step back or two or three or four, however many it's been. And Lord, we don't want it to be that way. God, we want our lives, our walk with you, our commitment to you to keep going forward and forward and forward. And Lord, we've heard today it requires faithfulness and obedience and watchfulness and passion and may that be true may we get the passion of christ in our hearts and lives today and may we go forward and forward and forward and build up those defenses that would keep the enemy away from us and go forward and forward
0: may it be so in jesus name we pray We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.